Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, purchasing some flooding insurance for his condo in Wakanda. It's Rilwan Belogan. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. One, I didn't know I needed to purchase flood insurance because after I moved there, after seeing the first one, I didn't know we were so close to so many bodies of water. <laughs> you always need flood insurance. That's that's fair. important. That's very important. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are discussing and breaking down, I think, arguably one of the biggest, uh, if not the the biggest movie of the year, which is uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, a movie that is arriving in movie theaters with an insane amount of expectation mm. and kind of weight going into it, not just because the first Black Panther movie from 2018 was this giant billion-dollar mega hit that also won Oscars and was nominated for Best Picture and whether you like the movie or not was was undoubtedly the like cultural phenomenon of 2018 when it came out um but also some tragic circumstances because chadwick boseman the star of that film sadly passed away after a battle with cancer a few years ago and so now there is just the expectation of following up this insanely successful movie in virtually all metrics um, as well as how in the world is Ryan Coogler, who wrote and directed that first movie, as well as this one, and Marvel in general going to follow up a movie without kind of their leading central character at the center of it. Um, there's a lot for us to unpack. Uh, I will give everyone a, a warning ahead of time. We're going to be kind of vague, I think, for the first, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, how, however long, I will give a clear indication if you haven't seen this movie of when we will sort of fully unpack all the spoilers and things that happen in it. But I think the best place for us to start, Rowan, is just what, considering everything that I just sort of built up about mm. this movie, what your reaction was leaving the theater. Oh, oh boy. First, I'll say, <laughs> I... I I cried four times because okay. I, I counted it because I knew I was going to, after the trailer, I think you and I spoke about it. I was like, yeah, Oh, I have to come in prepared. So I already knew mm -hmm. that was going to happen. Um, I left leaving it. One, I sat in the theater for a long time waiting for an, another post credit scene. Yes. I thankfully had someone, I don't know how they knew this, but someone at the press screen that I was at was like, there's not going to be one at the very very end of the movie so we don't need to like sit through that entire thing that basically just said like there's just going to be one that's like the mid-credit mm -hmm. stinger so was was thankful i got to to save some time because yeah. this was a very long movie that i was like very late at night by the time it oh, it ended fair. at the screening i went to that's fair you, you mentioned the length of it and in the beginning it started weighing on me how long it was but towards the end of it I, I forgot it was nearly three hours, and I'm a person who hates long mm -hmm. movies. If it's not in, done in 90 minutes, what's the point? Um, but I left in the, the theater kind of still feeling like, like the emotional arc of it with, with Chadwick Boseman, I think they did a good send-off. But mm -hmm. then they had to do so much lifting and so much marvel of it all that I felt mm -hmm. that it felt disjumbled at points. Cause I was like, they're doing so much right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I left, it's kind of like still processing it. This was a couple of days ago and I'm still trying to process the movie. Yeah. I, I saw it, I guess it would have been probably a, a, a week ago by the time this, this episode comes up. Um, and I would say I had a pretty solid time, but I, I definitely left thinking I've been curious to see what people think of this movie, because there were definitely people in the group that I was with that thought it was better than the first Black Panther movie. I got home, a friend texted me and was like, I thought it was straight up bad. I, I had a solidly good time while don't think it is nearly as good as the first film and i think kind of agreeing with you and we'll sort of break it down more of this is a movie that is 
I think way more ambitious than mm-hmm. the first film mm-hmm. and is trying to trying to carry a lot to the finish line. Mm-hmm. I think the the analogy I th- thought of ironically today um as I was coming back from Trader Joe's was like, you know when you're trying to like carry all your groceries in mm-hmm. in one in one kind of trip from the car and you maybe have a little bit too much for your arms to carry and you're just trying to like get to the door as quickly as possible. But you know, you got like a bag of pretzels that's like falling <laughs> out of your hand and stuff. That's a little bit of the experience of this that's movie true. of like, it is, it is trying to do so much. It is trying to expand on the world of Wakanda from the first movie. It is trying to be, as we said, this kind of mournful uh, goodbye to Chad- Chadwick Boseman and reckon with, the the death of him as a movie star as well as the characters in the movie reckon with the death of t'challa and it is also trying to set up future marvel properties it is trying to usher in this whole new fictional uh world of telecon um and the character of namor which as we'll get into is is a bit of a like a very big character in the marvel universe and so this movie is like constantly juggling so much stuff and and on top of all those things that i mentioned also kind of like because chadwick boseman is not at the center kind of take this really great supporting cast that the first movie had and kind of expand this into I think by the end it becomes more Letitia Wright's movie mm-hmm. kind of she has the big emotional arc of the movie but for a while kind of this big ensemble movie yeah. where like there's multiple different story arcs happening all at once and so it is a lot and it can feel a little unwieldy at a certain point and I think while I had had a like I said had a pretty solidly fun time at the movies and I think most of it works pretty well definitely got to the end and was like i don't i don't know that they carried every grocery item to the store or back from the the car necessarily and there there are some things that i think as we'll kind of break down i think kind of fall flat a little bit or just sort of fall apart under the weight of a movie that is trying to do maybe more than what was even possible if that makes sense i agree i think there that laundry list you just said of every all the plot points are you exhausted because i know yes. ryan coogler <laughs> had to have been when kevin feige came to him he's like hey by the way can you mention this because we're gonna have a disney plus show right. on that so we need to <laughs> kind of bring it out oh and by the way the disney plus shows can you bring this up in case the people didn't want, you know what I mean? Like there was just yes, so yes. much. So it was all of that plot for me that I was like, this is too dense for me to really enjoy because I was noticing the different plot points that they're like, I felt like I was looking at the notes, the notes five. Yes. may have gave Coogler, like make sure you hit on all of these things. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I don't think it was mm-hmm. as good as the first one. I think the first one is because they didn't have to set up as much. Mm-hmm. The first one was pretty much, I think, was like its own standalone movie for a long time. Obviously, there were yeah. references to Black Panther in two or three other MCU movies, but this one it was kind of its own thing. It had the um, the post credit scene that, in the long run, didn't do anything for anything. But so I like this movie felt like another movie in the whole of the MCU that it needed to build mm. to the next movie. Yes, yes. Um, so I'm going to do my best to kind of describe the plot so we can kind of break down to it or at least sort of set up in general what happens. So the movie opens obviously with this, I think, I think the movie actually has like a pretty effective opening and a, without being too spoilery, a pretty effective ending to the movie. It's sort of book ended by um, these sort of very mournful scenes of, you know, the characters reckoning with the the death of T'Challa. The movie opens. He has died of some sort of unspecified illness. Um, and we get this, I, I, I thought, quite beautiful sort of funeral procession for that character. And it is, it is just as much about these actors and us as an audience saying goodbye to this movie star as much as like saying goodbye to this character. And then the plot engine of the movie really kicks in. And after the events of the first movie where T'Challa essentially announces Wakanda to the world and reveals they have uh, this vibranium 
stacked up in in their kingdom and has revealed how high tech the country really is now all of a sudden we have other rival other nations are trying to uh maybe get their hands on that vibranium that as <laughs> ends up leading to the almost unintentional discovery of this other kingdom that i hinted earlier called uh telecon that is ruled by this character namor who i don't know if you're familiar at all with this character is it like I, i've been told by uh friends of mine who are like really really into marvel comics like th- this is a very big character in the marvel universe kind of i i think for anyone not marvel verse with the like best shorthand for this character is ki- he's kind of like a more anti-hero aquaman mm-hmm. essentially um and so his n- underwater kingdom it literally is atlantis in the marvel comics but uh one of the kind of interesting uh aesthetic choices here is ryan coogler making it this very mayan inspired uh south american uh underwater nation and he essentially comes to wakanda and proposes an alliance Although the uh, specificities of that alliance basically means that uh, if Wakanda does not uh, help them sort of fend off threats, then they will essentially, you know, have all out war against the the nation of Wakanda. And so this kind of ethical quandary forms where is uh, T'Challa's sister played by Letitia Wright and his mother played by Angela Bassett, who are now sort of ruling over the kingdom. Will they sort of bend to this, this new potential threat and, or will they uh, push back and risk uh, all out war breaking out? Would, would you say that's kind of like the best sort of like, there's way, 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 way more that I'm sure we'll touch on, but that's probably like the best kind of kickstart for i think for you explained movie. it well without giving any spoilers for folks yes. who haven't seen it yet that's a good explanation to prepare you for the movie yeah yeah so i i think kind of the last kind of general question and then to to really pose to you is how you felt this movie worked without bozeman at at the center which i is is sort of this unusual hurdle that i can't think of too many like mainstream blockbusters attempting to do a sequel kind of without your sort of mm-hmm. not not just central cast member but sort of the central character of this this segment of the marvel universe now completely off making the choice mm-hmm. to take that character completely off the table and now having to sort of follow up that movie without them at the center how how well you think this movie worked in terms of that sense uh, um, it's it's hard because i think the way you explain it was like all the supporting characters in the beginning half really holding it up together mm. and i think that the way i'm in in my head that makes it make sense that group lifted letitia rights to the end if that makes mm. sense where she was able yeah. to do her own thing at the end um I don't know if it landed mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out for myself, is it because it's Letitia Wright and I know her backstory and all the other stuff, or is it because I'm missing Chadwick Boseman in this role, you know? And I don't think it's fair to her to to no. kind of do it in that way because she's not Chadwick Boseman. No one will be, but I think they do it in an okay way that if the next Avengers movie, they call Black Panther in, mm-hmm. And I will believe what happens, you know? Yeah. I I think it's interesting. I would say Angela Bassett and Letitia Wright definitely get the most screen time. Of, Angela of- Bassett is in this movie 99% more than she was in the first one. Yes, yes. I mean, she she had a very small part, I would say, mm-hmm. in, in the first movie and and is... Up up until I, I would say the last third of the movie, which we can get more into with spoilers, mm-hmm. I, I think is 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 her and Letitia Wright kind of feel like co-leads and then mm-hmm. Letitia Wright like really becomes kind of the the central figure of the movie. Um and other people maybe like kind of coming in and out. Mm-hmm. Um I I think I'll go ahead and give, you know, the 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 general sort of cut cutoff here of like if you haven't seen the movie we're going to have to talk more 
spoilery stuff from from here on out. But I think I think we've made our kind of general opinions of the movie pretty clear at this point. Essentially, the arc of the movie ends with Letitia Wright kind of becoming the new Black Panther. And I've really liked Letitia Wright in, I mean, I, I thought she was great in the first movie and was very, very fun. And, you know, it's one of those performances that you see and you're like, I, I, I want to see more of this person. Like, can we even just give this character more screen time? Um, and I really liked her in, you know, the Black Mirror episode she was in, or I don't know if you watched uh, Steve McQueen's Small mm-hmm. Axe mm-hmm. series. I thought she was great in that. I think here feels a little swallowed up by just the the, the vastness yeah. of it all um and i don't i've sort of been struggling a little bit because i don't think it's necessarily on her i i thought an interesting perspective on this was um van lathan with the like Ringerverse podcast mentioned kind of like by the time chadwick boseman sort of like came into the role of black panther like we we'd already sort of had this relationship of him or he had already kind of gotten the practice of playing like very larger than life mm, figures yeah. at the center of movies, whether it was Jackie Robinson mm. or Thurgood James Brown. Marshall. Yeah. Mm. And Letitia Wright, I think while a fun actress, I think maybe her, her skill set, like in the first movie, she gets to be the kind of like fun, snarky little sister that, that is kind of his, his version of Q, like the person that makes all his cool tech. Mm-hmm. And here she really has to carry like the emotional weight of this movie. And it's a less kind of quote fun part. Um, But also I think in the way that she feels a little swallowed up by this like massive epic superhero blockbuster. I wonder if some of that is kind of how like Van Lathan put it like hasn't had as much sort of on-screen experience as like Chadwick Boseman did of being the center of a movie and and having it be this sort of like big larger than life character this big larger than life role that she's sort of stepping into um I don't know does that does that kind of make sense like I absolutely get it like there is also the point of like Lupita Nyong'o I don't who like I love doesn't really come into this movie until about like halfway through Mm -hmm. but like once she steps on screen it was almost like oh my god like that that's a movie star like here's someone who has the just the the screen presence like it's not even really like an acting skill thing it's just sort of like something about them where they just have this like magnetism that can like all the sort of gravitational force of this like big epic sized movie can just sort of like full they can they can hold that on screen and kind of command all of that that energy that's going on in the scale of this movie and and the vastness and the bigness and there's a way that Letitia Wright I think wasn't quite able to do that for me that maybe felt like once she really takes over the movie felt felt a little odd having her as the lead mm-hmm. if that makes sense and I I use Lupita Nyong'o as an example of like if if they wrote it to where like Lapita became the lead, like maybe would it feel a little better? Like I, I, or would it feel a little bit more natural? Like that's honestly something I kind of thought of, especially in the second half of this movie. Mm, interesting. I think I completely understand what you're saying, the presence mm-hmm. of it. And as you were talking, I was like, Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why the middle of it felt odd for me because Oh, wait, we are in the spoiler territory, so yeah, yeah, we you can we can we can talk all we want about all aspects of this. So in the first half of the movie, as you reference, it's Letitia Wright and Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett mm-hmm. like stole the show when she was there. That one scene, by the mm-hmm. way, when she's like, "I've lost everything," I was like, "This is her Oscar nom right here." Yeah, this I'll be curious it. whether to whether that that happens because oh. I think. I, I know there's some people that are saying like that'll definitely happen, and and I I've heard some other people that are like, what are what are you smoking? That there's like no way that'll happen. Um, I'm sort of of the mind of like, I don't I don't know who's gonna get nominated for supporting actress. Like, there's no clear front runners in that mm-hmm. category. So if it's just like, I I mean I sure like Angela yeah. Bassett yeah. has as much chance as any anyone else to get in, and is obviously like an incredible 
actress who's like worked for years and years and is like consistently good in everything and so i could easily see oscar voters be like seeing her in this movie and just being like angela bassett just as great as always why why not let's give her a nomination i think it would be that would be one of the reasons they're like well she's been doing this a long time if we've missed the opportunity especially yes with malcolm x with x she should have got some you know what I mean? We don't want to, need to go into the Oscar talk, but you know what I'm getting yeah. at, and the audience does as well. And so when um, her character dies, and then we get more of Lupita Nyong'o's character, that's what I think the the shift. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so when it was out, when it was um, Denai, um, Letitia, and um, excuse me, I'm, I'm forgetting her name, Dominique. Mm-hmm. It felt huh, flats. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, obviously, I yeah. think Denai does definitely has a presence, but it was them that they were like they didn't have that star power like Angela and uh, Lupita. So, that- and it's interesting you bringing up like Denai because I almost feel like at the point that Lupita Nyong'o kind of comes in the movie, like she kind of exits the movie weirdly, mm-hmm. like that kind of is in a lot of the first half of the movie, and then kind of like only sort of appears like kind of appears for the big battle, but like is largely not in mm-hmm. the the second half of the movie. Um, and even like, I mean, I guess Winston Duke is sort of the one supporting person from the first movie who, who like Doesn't is also much. right. Does not have much to do um, in this one. Uh, what did you think of, of, of Namor of this new villain? kind of being introduced into the movie which i i had never um seen this actor before that 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 plays this character um i thought kind of like my favorite parts of the movie were were kind of with him and just like had had that kind of like great screen presence and took like what kind of could have been a sort of silly character um you know this sort of like kind of aquaman figure who has wings on his feet and he can fly around and stuff like that and make him this sinister but also kind of like really cool suave uh anti-hero villain like like the the reasons he's doing what he's doing are are feel sort of morally just because he is he's doing it to sort of protect his own people in his own kingdom but is is maybe going about in some aggressive unsavory ways to to do that um i don't know i i really thought like that character was sort of to me the real standout of the movie um and and was surprised worked as as well as it did and i think we have to give credit to ryan coogler for that because mm-hmm. he does the did the exact same thing with killmonger in the first one where he's an anti-hero but you're like i understand what you're getting at your mm-hmm. method to it all is piss poor but i understand what you're doing um namor loved the character knew nothing about it coming into it i had to ask a friend who knows the comic books like you and mm-hmm. did as well as like who is this and so when we get that backstory i was like wow i understand why he's doing it the actor's good the the backstory they give loved it um mm-hmm. the world they build down there with the kind of like you referenced the mayan uh culture there i was like this is uh, excellent i love the when they were underwater i was like more of this. This is this is great. This is great. <laughs> I I I will say, and maybe this is to to kind of transition to s- some aspects that didn't work for me. I think that whole the whole kingdom of of Telecon like looks incredible, and and obviously like I I'm sure this movie will like Ruth Carter, who won an Oscar for doing the costume designs for the first movie, like. I've I've already seen online people are like I think the costume Oscars seal I think Ruth Carter's getting another one like just the look of that whole world and the the costumes of those characters like look incredible but I maybe felt like it doesn't feel as sort of fully realized yeah, or or fair. or fully lived in a place as Wakanda did in the first movie or even here of like this this feels like a real even though it's fantastical feels like there's enough specificity in the detail of like th- this feels like a place where people live mm-hmm. and like have a a life beyond kind of even the the drama with the the royal family of this kingdom and in telecon is just sort of like 
it kind of just felt like, oh, this is like a really cool design, but maybe, and I don't know whether it's because so much else is happening in this movie that we don't have time to dive into that detail. Like, this is a movie that has way, 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 way more locations than even the first <laughs> Black Panther movie, which was largely in just set in Wakanda. Yeah. Um, but that that was maybe like as cool to look at as and kind of visually stunning as like that underwater sequence is there is a little bit of like oh like yeah i don't know like maybe they'll like play underwater soccer or something like i don't know can we do that and then i don't know maybe they'll grow seaweed sure i I guess it sounds like you want to see like show us more of like let's spend a little bit more time with them just to see what the day yeah yeah that that yeah i i think it's a thing of like the world of Wakanda feels like people, but maybe the the underwater world of, of Telecon maybe just feels like this kind of mass army that just Namor hmm. can just summon at any moment and doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, this is a whole society that's functioning underneath the ocean. That's absolutely fair. I get that critique. That makes sense. Yeah. And and I think you reference it. It's probably like they're like, do we want to push this to three hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned that of all the things this, this movie's juggling, I, w- I would say the stuff that really didn't work for me, and this kind of in general doesn't work for me in most of the Marvel movies, but no, it's necessary to an extent is all the stuff that is needing to kind of like set up yeah future projects there's there's a whole subplot with uh martin freeman's character from the first one that also is tying in to um i cannot remember the name of the show it's it's the one that's going to have like florence Pugh and Wyatt Russell and is like a smaller kind of anti-hero version of the Avengers. And they're going to be overseen by Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who's like appeared in like a couple of the shows. But that that becomes like a whole subplot of this movie that it kind of felt like was just this extra fat that was only there of like, we really need to kind of like now really fully establish this Julie Louis-Dreyfus character and kind of like all her power in the world um and then there's also uh actress dominique thorne playing the character of Ironheart, who we meet in this movie is like this scientist who has created this machine that is able to detect vibranium and so uh, essentially what namor proposes to the wakandans is like you need to find the scientists that made this and bring them to us. Otherwise we will declare war on you. And our assumption is that essentially like Namor and his people are going to kill the scientists um, to make sure that no one can find their kingdom again. Um, And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily anything against the Dominic Thorne, the actress that plays this character. Um, But I, this is another bit of the movie that kind of just felt like, oh, this is only there for world building. Like, there's going to be an Ironheart Disney Plus TV show, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And this character kind of, like, even more so than us talking about Letitia Wright, like, this character really felt just sort of, like, swallowed up in the movie and kind of, like, especially in the back half of the movie, it almost feeling like Ryan Coogler's, you know, like, trying to, make sure everything like continuity wise, everything's working. It's like, all right, we got this, we got this. We're like, all right. I, I think we can move on. And someone's being like, what about Ironheart? Oh, oh shoot. Dang. Oh okay. gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Can she like stand <laughs> in the corner over there or something like that? I don't know. Uh, can we impose just like put her in the battle scene or something? Shoot. Gosh. Yeah. We got to take this to the finish line too. Um, and, and so like that character, I think just didn't, it didn't, work for me and i think it's also weird because like that's a much 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 newer character in the marvel comics so it's not even a character compared to someone like namor that has like this long history and this sort of baggage and familiarity that some audiences are likely bringing to the movies like like this is a character that probably even few if you're not reading like current running marvel issues from like the last five years or something like that um like you probably don't know this character and so like her presence even felt like this kind of wonky 
third like 12th limb on the movie that was sort of felt like awkward in a lot of places i don't know what what did you think of kind of the ways this movie was sort of maybe trying to tie in future projects or like slowly plant the seeds for future disney plus series so i think you and i had the conversation once when we wanted to know um if how if it was necessary for you to watch the disney plus shows to understand the overall mcu stuff and i Mm -hmm. this kind of gave me the answer as no you don't need to watch the disney plus shows Mm -hmm. um in my theater when julia louis dreyfus comes up i gasped i was like because i know one crossover right (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh 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 it's v is vice president for me i'd Uh like it's elaine but um, it's like, because I watch all the, the shows. So I know, mm. especially what is it, Falcon and Winter Soldier. She I believe that's the one she appeared on. Yeah. More in there. So I know what her character role is doing. Here, I felt like it was explaining, you guys don't know who she is. Let's do some quick things here because mm-hmm. you didn't watch the show so we can advance it for the future movies. And that movie you reference is Thunderbolts that will mm. come out with all that's the anti heroes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they, uh, that one. Those scenes, I feel like for me, I was like, if they cut this, the movie would be shorter because they mm-hmm. didn't really Ross's care. They didn't add anything to the over story, all story. It was very much. I, yeah. Kevin Feige was like, we need this here. Come on. Right. Yeah. And yeah, Riri exactly. is, uh, I guess, since in the comics, I didn't read the comments, but I know I do a lot of Reddits. Uh, <laughs> Ironheart mentored by Iron Man. Can't do this yes. here for the obvious reason. So who's mm-hmm. the next best, smartest person? Shuri. So that's how you bring mm-hmm. her in. But it, it, like you said, it's all the stuff that they were just trying to do to push that forward. Um, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus and the Ross stuff of it, I didn't care for as much but i enjoyed it because i know what they were doing the riri mm-hmm. i thought it was fine it was good I, there were several laughing moments i think um dominique thorne's character brought some brevity at times um like you said i think she's you know this is a big movie i, I don't know if it's her first movie it's definitely her first marvel movie so mm-hmm. i think you said it swallows her up at times uh, if that's what you said i think that's completely accurate yeah there are times where you like oh okay she's she's not there yet give her a couple more move uh uh, the disney series and then another movie or so i think she'll find her own so obviously then in kind of like the centerpiece of the movie is this this big action set piece where uh namor and his underwater army that i've seen a lot of like funny comparisons of like oh yeah i thought a lot about avatar while watching this and people being like it's weird that disney's putting out two like very long giant blockbusters about blue people underwater (laughs) (laughs) that are coming out in like a month of each other like that's very strange um but yeah namor and his his army staged this attack on wakanda and during that battle, Angela Bassett uh, sadly dies, and that sort of pushes Letitia Wright to needing to become the Black Panther. Um, I'm curious now that we're in the spoiler territory, we can talk a little bit more about her arc and any kind of like larger themes or ideas you think the movie is kind of working with. I, I would say something that maybe holds it back from the first one to me, although I've read some compelling cases in like the last couple days of some interpretations people have had for like what what the larger ideas the movie is dealing with is I maybe think that this one isn't quite, it doesn't have kind of like the rich kind of complicated political ideas that the first movie had that I thought that I think made it, made it something that was not just like a fun blockbuster Mm -hmm. to see, but something that people were able to chew on for like months and months to come. And Mm -hmm. was a, a movie that, you know, I'm sure inspired a billion college thesis papers. Oh, um, I don't know that maybe this movie quite has that, but maybe we can kind of talk about that in connection to kind of like the arc that Shuri goes on in this movie and kind of her journey to becoming Black Panther and, and any kind of larger themes you you gravitated to in the movie. I definitely agree there. There weren't, you know, over... Like after I left the movie, couple day, de- an hour or so, I was still thinking about it. But with Black Panther, I was noticing, oh, there was this, this, that, and that for several mm-hmm. weeks. Um, yes. I'm not at that point. I think once a day passes, like I'm pretty sure I got everything at face value. 
they were trying mm-hmm. to do here. And I don't know if there's room to do anything more. Um, the Letitia uh, Shuri character, when the mom dies, obviously for me, I think that fuels the anger. I think it's pretty clear to do everything else. But, oh no. I didn't like when she died. I didn't think she was going to die. I was very upset. I was like, yeah. wow. They got me. They it's- surprised me. Yeah, it 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 obviously sort of pushes the character, and then there's the, you know the the scene where she eats the purple flower and her vision in the ancestral plane. Did you expect back. that? I I didn't just because, um, I I guess I kind of didn't see the need or I, expected. I, that. I, yeah, same, I just sort same. of assumed that was something just because Michael B. Jordan is like an insanely famous movie star people were like well they're definitely just going to find an excuse to bring him back and i i just sort of didn't see ryan coogler doing that but i i this was a way that sort of made sense and i think works for her arc and Mm -hmm. needing her to realize I, i i think if this movie does have a theme to me i think it has to do with learning what makes a good ruler and it not necessarily being a fueled through vengeance i think it takes a while for the movie to finally get to that arc like until the last uh you know leg of the movie but you know there's that conversation she has with winston duke where he's talking about you know like if you kill namor or if you do this for you know if if we launch an attack on him and his people in sort of response to this attack they had on us like we we could be entangled in a war that like maybe we can't win and probably more of our own people are going to die and like is is it better for us to try and find compromise with them or lash out with like another act of violence and then like that risks this sort of these two superpowers locked in battle for maybe the, for the, all of this foreseeable mm-hmm. future um and that that i think it's maybe not quite at the same level as some of the ideas that were at work in the first movie but was kind of what i sort of saw as as kind of the the general theme kugler was going with for the back half of this movie again i don't think it's it's fully explored because so much of the movie is needing to just sort of like do road work to kind of tie into so many things or like now we have to bring in this character and we have to give them this arc and all of that, that stuff. Um, but I, I, I thought something kind of interesting to think about in, in terms of the movie. It's let me ask, is Winston Duke um, King now? I, some people said yes. And I don't know if I got that. I took it as Shuri is the, the leader Still, now. Okay. Um, because, but well, yeah. I don't know, because there is the bit of, like, he goes for, like, the trial, mm-hmm. and she's not there. Um, yeah. You see, I, I don't, don't know. know. Some <laughs> people, people said he's king, and I was like, huh, did I miss something? But the trial is what, one of the trials, what, who figures out who Black Panther becomes? So right, that's that's maybe the the gray area there that I'm not I'm not sure. Is it possible that like she could just be Black Panther? You know, she could be the country's Black Panther, but Winston Duke is maybe the person who's actually sitting on the throne and yeah. making legislative decisions. I don't know. Anyway. Um, let's let's talk about the the ending to this movie now that we can get into to spoilers of we get this sort of moving scene where. Shuri gets to sort of, I think, fully work through her grief about her brother passing, and Lupita. That there's the the mid credit scene that we kind of hinted at, where Lupita Nyong'o comes out onto onto the beach with her and has holding her hand one of the most adorably ch- cute children I've ever seen, <laughs> and we learn that this child is uh, T'Challa's son. And which opens up a whole new uh, sort of room of possibilities for for where this series can go. What what did you think about how the movie sort of chose to wrap up and and what you thought of this kind of in credit scene that it has? So for I didn't see it as the future for Marvel because I know there mm-hmm. is a series where there are like Marvel or superhero kids or something to that. Vape. 
Yeah, I think someone told me that in the comics, T'Challa has a son with, with Storm. With Storm, right? Who is like all becomes Black Panther, and, but also has mutant powers yeah. as well. Yeah. So I, I obviously that's not this character, but anyways, I thought it was beautiful. I thought I mm-hmm. thought it was like a this is a he's gone but he's always with us type of thing for Chadwick mm-hmm. specifically. Um, I, another thing that I didn't expect. So I'll say this movie gave me a lot to be surprised by about a quarter way each time. This mm-hmm. was the book and I was like, well, dang, he has a kid. And <laughs> <laughs> and um, the mom met the kid and I was like, okay, wow. I like, for me, it felt more like a emotional Chadwick is always with us, even though he's not here type mm-hmm. thing. I didn't think of it as the future of Marvel. Or other yeah, projects it, it, they'll do. Yeah, it 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 does. I think indicate kind of what we talked about earlier. Of I I think one of the strengths of the movie is I think it handles the the passing of Chadwick. It 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 clears that checkbox if mm-hmm. that makes sense of all the sort of various things this movie had to accomplish. That that at the very least I think is handled very well in the beginning of this movie and in this final scene that like you know people were in my press screening were like awing and like sniffling at, at, at that, that final scene and the Rihanna song mm-hmm. um, coming in. Uh, it's, it's maybe the other stuff that I, I, I think it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's part of why I'm sort of still kind of wrestling with how I feel about it and, and thinking it doesn't totally work, but like, at least thank God it did like this one thing, right? Yeah. Here, if that yeah, makes any yeah. sense. It's been a couple of days since I watched it and I still haven't given a letterbox rating just because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> still, yeah. I'm still just processing it. And I'm trying to take away from the like emotional of the Chadwick Boseman of it all to just like the story before I can get yes. my final thoughts. And I I can't separate the two. Yeah. And and well, and even I think like I think another interesting conversation I've been having with people is talking about the the sort of action set pieces in this movie which depending on marvel project can sometimes be great as in some of the avengers movies like in game other times the the big set piece battles can be uh quite quite ugly and and cheap looking to look at um even even i would say the first black panther movie is is not immune to that like the big casino set piece at the center of that movie I actually think like all the action set pieces in that movie are like pretty well done except for then like the big uh simultaneous like underground uh train station fight and the like big rhino battle up on up on the ground like the big climactic battle i think even even people who i think really like that movie are kind of like yeah that that is the one part where like that that looks a little like they kind of rush that together last minute and some of the effects look a little wonky um i'm curious what you thought about like the just just this is an action movie in the set piece construction this time around because i i would say some of them like the the big attack on wakanda with like the flooding water water and the water bombs like that was great but then i think in comparison like the big climactic battle that happens on kind of this Wakandan, um, it, it's almost like an aircraft carrier or something where Namor's army is attacking. Like, mm. like that felt weirdly stagey in a sense of like, okay, this kind of looks like you shot it. Like, huh, we want to do a battle on the water, but how can we also still shoot it in a parking lot here in Atlanta? <laughs> what if, like, that's kind, of what it, that's kind of what that scene sort of looked like. I'd be like, wait, what if it's an aircraft carrier? <laughs> I'll say, um, I don't think the action was good in this movie. Yeah. The, the only one scene that I was like, oh, this is, is the bridge scene. When, oh, yeah. Uh, you c- and, and like that's a place like like that yeah, looks yeah. like they went to Boston and and shot at least like part of that scene, which they very well probably did because I did see yeah. Boston film whatever credited during mm-hmm. the credits. So that was the only good action sequence for me. The one on the boat at the end was it a boat? No, it was what? the what was that? Yeah, it was a boat. It was a ship. 
That yeah. one, I was like, this is very CGI heavy. I can see it. I don't mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, and and the CGI, I think, even kind of comes and goes. I, I sort of only bring this up because, like, with all the episodes I feel like I've I've been doing on these sort of phase four Marvel movies, which this kind of ends their their fourth phase, it feels like something that we talk about on no matter what the guess on every single one of these episodes is like, why does this movie look unfinished in mm-hmm. places? Like I particularly remember with like Thor love and thunder over the summer, like the episode we did on that, where it's like the, the effects look bad. Like there's even like videos going viral of like Taika Waititi and Tessa Thompson, like looking at footage from the movie and being like, huh, well that looks really bad. And then like stuff coming out of people being like, yeah. Cause Marvel like can't figure out what they want at like a scene to look like and are changing things up until like the last minute. And so like, there are like unfinished effect shots and stuff that end up in these movies. Um, and then obviously like the whole, I mean, I, I didn't watch the She-Hulk series, but that the whole like, uh, memification about like how (laughs) it was almost compared to like when the cats trailer came out of people being like, what, what kind of unholy, creation have have we put um to celluloid but um yeah i i just that there are i only bring it up for that reason and i thought there were sections of this movie like even the sort of underwater tour of telecon that shuri gets that's that's very like james cameron's the abyss um like (laughs) like that that sequence i thought looked good and there are parts in the movie that i think look quite excellent and then there's other parts of the movie kind of as you're saying the kind of big climactic battle on the sea that look look bad and it's it's just sort of continues to be even a confusing thing that happens in these marvel movies and is is even a little disappointing of like we know ryan coogler can do great action set pieces i mean like think of all the like great boxing scenes in creed like there's that one amazing boxing scene that's like all one shot or even like you know the as i mentioned the casino fight sequence in mm-hmm. the first black panther movie which which is great i i think but i i think some of whatever talent he has as an action filmmaker i think kind of gets lost in a lot of the big set pieces in in this movie which was a a little disappointing to me i think i have to admit i i agree um i i feel like i just need to know um, because you know who she is in other projects. What'd you think of Michaela Cole? Um <laughs> No, I say um of like is is how many lines does she get? Like that Fair. was a, that yeah. that felt like a character that like you talking about like is there a three hour version of this movie somewhere? That felt like mm-hmm. Kevin Feige and Ryan Coogler had to like do a an embarrassing joint call to Michaela Cola at a certain point and be like, so Michaela, yeah, you know, <laughs> we just want you to know before that you know Michaela. You know those stories about how people show up to Terrence Malick movies and they don't realize they're cut out of the movie <laughs> until they get to the premiere. Well, we just we 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 don't want that you to have that experience. Mm-hmm. So we just want you to know that ninety percent of your scenes are cut out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what it kind of felt like. I was just sort of like, wait, did they really kind of give her this like really nothing part? They're like she gets two lines and there's even a a a scene of of her and Okoye like later in the movie that it feels like that's supposed to be the wrap up for some arc, but like, it feels like that whole arc of the movie has been taken out weirdly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you have that, that feeling mm-hmm. with that? Yes. There, it's, it's like the one scene of them at, it's when they get this house or the, something like she was that. like, so you want to come back or something you like, whatever it's to introduce. What is it? Like the midnight angels. I think yeah. it's what it's called. And it was very like, I don't know if it's another Feige, like, Hey, you got to, you got to mention this or if it's Kugler, like read the comics is like, Oh, I like this. Let me, mm-hmm. but it was very like, if there were notes, take that out to cut more time. But it was, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very strange. Cause I, I, I think she's, I've really liked her in other stuff, but it, it was a very strange, like, Oh wait. When, when she kind of like popped up, like 
because she has the one scene like near the beginning of the movie and then like pops up again at the very end and be like what i why are we not giving her anything to do yeah you're like you have michaela freaking call like anyway. it, it's just another indication of like as i said earlier this movie feeling like ryan coogler trying to carry this giant mound of groceries from the car to the door and some stuff is kind of maybe falling out in the process and like like we said some some essential stuff like how they reckon with the death of chadwick boseman that gets to the door and they they clear that that works out beautifully but then there's some other stuff that feels much 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 more wonkier in this movie and it kind of feeling like um if not too many cooks in the kitchen then like a a giant list of things that needed to to be yeah. checked off for for this to to pass i agree i think i need to see it again now that i know when i will cry just to prepare for it <laughs> uh well before we wrap up any any last wakanda forever thoughts or or questions or prompts the send-off was good oh i mentioned it during my uh flood insurance did again didn't know there was that many body of water so close to wakanda <laughs> didn't notice uh, how it before mu- how much of it is the body of water though versus like because they have the water bombs too mm, them, so like, i wonder how much of it is like okay. could they just throw the water bomb and then like that creates like a flash flood or something let's ha- say that your let's, that makes yes. more sense because i was like where did all this water come from yes how did a whale get into central <laughs> africa how did that <laughs> like, what is this i was like let me not overthink it but sure Yes, yes. Well, uh, Real Juan, it's always a pleasure to have you on on this podcast. Um, I think we did a great job about breaking down this insanely <laughs> huge movie and not, not ourselves getting crushed under the pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks on the latest, uh, we'll be talking about Steven Spielberg's new movie, The Fablemans, uh, which is excellent if you haven't listened to our our tip podcast i mentioned it on there it's one of my favorite movies of the year uh also talking about uh bones and all the cannibalism love story movie with timothy chalamet and taylor russell uh i'm sure we'll touch on stuff like the menu uh and she said and then december rolls around and big big jim jim cameron is back in theaters (laughs) And uh, we'll we'll get getting us all wet, as <laughs> as he likes to do. A lot of very wet James Cameron movies. I'm a sort lot. of realizing yeah. that, kind of uh, revisiting all uh, his so, big yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so stay tuned as we'll we'll discuss those in in the coming weeks. 